The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 172 of the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. And this week my guest is Katie Salaitis. She is an author in multiple genres. She is a podcast host and a superhero helper to the indie author. <laughs> you're going to find out some more about that coming up here in just a few moments. Uh, you're going to also hear all about her show, Spilling Ink, and how that came to be and how long that's been going on. Uh, we're going to be talking about finding your tribe, how uh, the lesson, what lessons that she learned, which led to faster publishing, and uh, how she now uses that information to help authors uh, in the indie author world. We're going to hear all about her love for all things monsters. And, and we're also taking a look back at a bunch of her past books and series, uh, including her nonfiction books, which focuses on helping the indie author. So much great stuff uh, to, uh, to hear about in this episode. You're going to really enjoy it. And it's one of those where I, I can't believe like our time flew by so fast. I'm looking at the timer and realizing, oh my gosh, we got to get over to the reading because we were just having such a good time talking. It's, it's unbelievable. But as you're listening, you're going to do the same thing we did. That time is just going to fly right by and you're like, oh wow, it's been you know, an hour. So stay tuned for that interview with her. It's coming up here in just a few moments. Uh, make sure whenever you finish this episode, as always, to click those links in the show notes for Katie. Uh, not only her website, but also that show, Spilling Ink. Like I said, it's a fantastic show. It's also a part of the Project Entertainment Network. So that's a really cool thing. Uh, it's nice to get to talk to some other creators within the network. And uh, shameless plug. I got to be a guest this past Saturday, so I, I talked to Katie a couple weeks ago for my show, and then, um, yeah, I got to be a guest this past Saturday. We had a fantastic time talking about my podcast, or podcasting in general, and uh, uh, writing, and so much fun. I look forward to maybe going back one of these days, but you can find all of that in the show notes. Don't forget to also find and follow my sponsors and podcast friends uh, starting with Scrivener the number one writing software in my heart. Uh, Scrivener 3 is now available I'm actually looking into the process of getting everything backed up and uh, moving over to Scrivener 3 as we speak. Uh, just waiting on the time to <laughs> it's funny I'm suddenly like struck with inspiration I'm back into writing in two different books at this moment and I don't want to stop and work on Scrivener 3. So it's it's a it's a fun uh, little conundrum to have. But uh, rest assured, I am going to get over there really soon. And check out this advertisement for how you can save 20% on the regular desktop version. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. 
Now I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. All right, thanks again to Scrivener. Uh, Next up, I want to thank Audible for being a partner with the show. Now, you know, something I do want to say, you know, there's this, uh, you may or may not be aware of, there is this thing going on called Audible Gate, where... Audible has some things in place where that allowed people to return their books um, up to a year later, and they've adjusted a lot of that. They've changed a lot of that, which is good. Uh, but still, I do want to say, though, I, I really enjoy Audible. I listen to uh, audiobooks all the time, and I think it's a fantastic service to have. But that being said, if you are somebody who is purchasing an audiobook and then returning it a few years, you know, a year later or even several weeks later. Get a life. Come on. <laughs> Go to the library if that's what you want to do. If you're going to do something like that, stop uh, abusing the system and making this harder on the authors than it already is. So, all right. You know, enough of my soapbox. I'm not going to go into that too much. Uh, but uh, just rest assured, I think it's a good service. I think it's got it uh, has definitely has its merits, and I really enjoy it myself. Hello, friends. Jason here, and I wanted to take a moment to tell you about a great offer from Audible. Like you, I'm very busy. I have a full-time job, a family, I'm a thriller author, and I do this weekly podcast. But I also love to read. That's where Audible is a lifesaver for me. Whether I'm mowing the yard, working out, driving back and forth to work, or doing some other menial task, I can still listen to an incredible book through Audible. And now you can get a free 30-day trial by going to audibletrial.com slash samplechapter. By doing that, you'll not only have that 30-day trial, you'll also gain access to guided wellness programs, theatrical performances, A-list comedy, exclusive Audible originals, and even podcasts like the Sample Chapter Podcast. Last year is the first time I ever achieved my own personal reading goals, and it was because of some wonderful titles I listened to on Audible. Some of those titles were Ready Player Two by Ernest Cline, narrated by Will Wheaton, the Awaken Online series from Travis Bagwell, narrated by David Stifle, Patient Zero by Jonathan Mayberry, narrated by the incredible Ray Porter, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention previous guest Scott Meyer with his Magic 2.0 series narrated by Luke Daniels. It's a lot of fun and definitely worth your time. Hey, full disclosure, by signing up at audibletrial.com slash samplechapter, the show does get a little monetization, which goes directly towards any production needs uh, with the show. So you're also helping us out here by signing up. So what are you waiting for? Head on over now to audibletrial.com slash samplechapter and start your free 30-day trial today. All right, that was our sponsors and partners alike. 
want to also give a shout out to my first podcast network, popgoestheculture.com, home to about a dozen other pop culture related shows, lots of uh, good shows to, lots of great shows in there to check out, uh, Fanatics and the Fan, Pop Goes the Culture Podcast, and uh, so much more. So click that link in the show notes so you can find one that you like. And finally, I want to thank my other podcast network, Project Entertainment Network, home to more than 35 incredible shows. Shows like this one. Hi, everyone. I'm Jay, host of the Unafraid podcast. On Unafraid, I share stories from the queer community that help us to grow, learn, and understand that while we are all different, there is an immeasurable beauty in that diversity. The Unafraid podcast is my labor of love, and I want to share that love with you. New stories are aired each week, so you can check out Unafraid on your podcast distributor right now. Okay, there you go. and You can find that in the links uh, for Project Entertainment Network. You can also find the Spilling Ink show in there and, uh, of course, my show, the Sample Chapter Podcast. Or you can just click the link in the show notes. I made it really easy for you. Well, without further ado, it is time to get over to my wonderful chat with Katie Salitis. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Welcome back. This week, I'm so excited. Uh, I have another one of our guests that is someone I've been following for, oh gosh, a good year or more now, uh, along with the show. Uh, this is writing coach, best-selling author, and podcaster, Katie Salidas. Uh, she has been professionally writing since 2010. In that time, she has penned five best-selling series, The Immortals, Old Town Pack, Little Werewolf, Chronicles of the Uprising, and the Agents of Asset series. And as her not-so-secret alter ego, Rosalind Sparks, she's a USA Today best-selling author of Romance with a Naughty Side. Welcome. Please join me in welcoming to the show, Katie Salidas. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for that introduction. Wow. I sound like I'm important. Uh, you know, I just read it off your uh, website. It, it was right there for me. So made it nice and easy. <laughs> just one correction. One correction. Yes. The name's Salitis. Salitis. See, and I say I've been following along for so long, but I think I hear your first name so much. Uh, okay. That's true, because I, I tend to not say my last name at all. I usually just introduce myself as Katie. That could be. That could be. But you know what, as I've been doing this for for long enough now, like this is like episode 171 or 172, I, I've learned a long time ago to ask ahead of time, and I didn't do it this time. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's, it's always when you don't ask, but you know what, I've, I've found it funny because the name, most people look at it and they think it's, it's a Spanish or Mexican name. It's actually Greek. Okay. And so that's why it's not the, the Salidas, it's Salidas. But uh, I, I've always loved hearing it mispronounced because I've gotten some really wild variations. And my absolute favorite is when you get one of those robocalls <laughs> and they try and pronounce it and it comes out salad ass. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I'm running with that. That's I'm a running good one. with that. I like that one. You got another pen name right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those robocalls with my last name is real fun. Ooh, I bet. Yeah. Uh, check. 
it's yeah i don't even know where they get some of that but yeah mine's everybody thinks it's uh polish but it's actually german it ah. used to have a few other letters in it and when my family came over they thought well if we take out a few letters and add another one this will be more american so okay great <laughs> and then i've got my ski so <laughs> all right yeah that's kind of how we are that's kind of what my wife thought <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, so how are you doing and uh, how's, how's the pandemic treating you? I'm actually doing really good and I, I've probably done better than most during the pandemic because I'm, I'm naturally introverted. So telling me to stay home and, and just do my work at home. Okay. I, I don't <laughs> see the problem with that. <laughs> I'm happy to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's been the, uh, I think the most common thing I'm hearing from everybody I'm talking to in the last year was. They got to stay home anyway. That's what they're doing already. It's the the people, the authors like myself who have the day job that uh, I think are the most affected where either the writing has gone to the side and you can't do as much or now you're getting to do a little more. Um, just kind of depends on the situation. Yeah. And, and those of us with kids too, having them all home doing homeschool has been an adventure. Yeah. I'm lucky I have one kid left at home, a teenager in high school. And he was more than happy to say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it at home. Uh, he just got a new computer for his birthday. So he was like, yeah, no problem. You like, know, okay. that's how my teenager was, too. <laughs> <laughs> Until you get the email that uh, you haven't done assignments this month. Oh, oh, no, you never want to see that email. No, no, no. So, oh, well, anyway, so. Oh, my gosh, where to begin? Uh, let's see here. I mean, you've been writing since 2010. Uh, fill us in a little bit about your uh, about your history. All right. So my first release was in 2010. And that book honestly took me about five years to put out. So I, I was writing for a lot longer than that. But uh, I had a lot of learning to do. And I'm mm. one of those people that's, that's very much about trial and error and, and learning how to do it myself. Mm -hmm. And I took that approach when it came to self-publishing. I not only wanted to write a good book, but I wanted to do all the steps you needed to do to make it a quality book. Mm -hmm. And through trial and error, I have failed quite a bit in that first book. And I paid very expensive lessons mm -hmm. in the trial and error of learning how to do it and who to work with and what editors are reputable and that kind of thing. But it taught me a lot. And first book took five years. The second book only took me six months because I had learned so much on that journey and I really developed a love for not only the writing side of it, but the publishing side of it and, and really being able to control all of the working parts to get a book out into the public. So it just, it, it kind of took over my life. And uh, I wrote the Immortalis series. I wrote the Old Town Pack, the uh, Little Werewolf series, kind of as like a, my own multiverse. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like the MCU, they've got all of the, the characters intertwined. Those three book series are all intertwined. And then I wrote uh, Chronicles of the Uprising kind of as a palate cleanser. And I got to take it in a darker, more gritty direction. I enjoyed writing that. And uh, I moved on to the Agents of Asset, which I'm still writing right now. I'm still on the fifth book. I've got to get that one done this year. And in between that as my palate cleanser, I've got uh, a co-writer who's actually one of the hosts on my show, Spilling Ink who we write some urban fantasies together um, in her world. 
And uh, that one is the Running from the Devil series. And I had so much fun working with her on that that we're planning to do another one in the upcoming year, maybe 2022. Depends on how fast we get it out. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's a nice uh, turnaround. I mean, going from five years to suddenly you're you're putting them out pretty regularly, it looks like now. And I love too how you took it all on, you, you faced it and just learned. And that was something for myself that, I, I was scared to death doing that first book, but at the same time, it was so much fun learning the process and, oh, I can't do this and uh, learning how to put the Kindle together and then the print book and going forward. And it was really liberating getting to do that. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and it's, it's empowering knowing that you can do this and not only that you can do it, but you can put out something that can stand up next to a traditionally published book and and be of the same quality and look just as good mm -hmm. so it, it's i i enjoyed the process i mean yes i failed a lot in the beginning and mm -hmm. i did pay some very expensive lessons um but i needed to and it, it it taught me how to work smarter and to find better ways to do things and to honestly to network to reach out to a tribe and really learn from what they're doing as well and use their connections as well to help, you know, find the people that are best to work with. I absolutely agree. Absolutely. And that, of course, that led into what I do now as a freelancer. So not only am I writing my own books, but because I've learned so much and because I don't want to see others going through the same struggles and having to pay the uh, expensive lessons like I did, I now offer my services uh, freelance to help authors get on the road to publishing. And I do it kind of in an a la carte sort of way. So I don't do a big package deal. I'm gonna help you publish your book and do all the steps. If you need help with editing, if you need help with cover art, if you need somebody to do a good manuscript review on you and tell you where your key points are, if you need somebody who can format, I can do these individual parts. And if I can't do something, I know someone who does. Mm -hmm. And I can help other authors get on the road with less mistakes and hopefully not cost them as much as it did me in the beginning. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I saw that on your uh, on your website that you have uh, freelance services and uh, publishing coaching that you do. And, and of course, I've heard you say that as well on your show, Spilling Ink, uh, which it's amazing. You've always got great advice. Uh, there was one just the other day I was listening to, and you were talking about um, the right covers. Oh, and, that was uh, a good episode. That was a good episode, yeah. And you had the, somebody who wanted an old-style cover, like literal old-style, and it just wasn't going to have the marketable, marketability that they really thought it was going to have. And just so many good things in there. It was fantastic. Yeah, and, and that's why I like doing Spilling Ink. Not only, you know, do we get to bring on new authors and we get to talk to people and, you know, learn about their journeys and what they've done and their stories, but we're learning as we go. And, and you know, I've been in this business for 10, 11 years now. I'm still learning new things every day. You never stop learning. The industry is constantly changing. And so it's really fun to be able to pick up this information and share it with our audience. Yes. And I think that's, uh, it's a humbling thing if you can be open to learning and uh, be able to evolve as an author as we go and learn the new things and uh, adapt, then uh, 
you can always be ready. The, the people who are like, no, I don't like it that way. I don't want to change it. They're going to hit a wall and they're not going to have a career uh, if they're <laughs> if they're just not going to change. Yeah, the old way of doing things does not work in today's market. I mean, look at your traditional authors from years past. They never had to worry about social media. They never had to worry about having a presence. Mm-hmm. Just being published alone was was what they had to do. Today, even if you're traditionally published, if you're not out there pounding the pavement marketing your books, you're not getting that next contract with your publisher. Mm-hmm. Same applies to a, an indie publisher. Not only do you have to go through all the steps to get your book out there, now you have to get out there and market. And that means being a lot more social. It means reaching out to people that you might not have, have talked to before, getting out of your comfort zone and doing live shows, going to conventions, all that stuff. That was something that absolutely floored me uh, when I first started my show. And I was originally just thinking, I'm just going to do indie authors because we need the help. And I quickly learned that, yeah, that's not always the case. I and mean, even the traditionally published authors, unless your name is King or some other name brand, uh, they're also looking for publicity and, and uh, a place to hawk their books and, and talk about them and go, hey, yes, I'm an author too, because Otherwise, the publisher isn't going to help market it so much, which is shocking to me. Yeah, well, their budgets are, are allocated towards what they know is going to make the money. So those top sellers get pretty much all of the marketing funds. Mm, my goodness. Well, let's start with you. Let's go back to you here. <laughs> uh, what, what was that first book that came out, the one that uh, got you going? So the first book was Immortalis Carpe Noctum. And that was kind of my love letter to all things vampire. And I think somebody had called it Vampire 101, like an introduction <laughs> to, course to what it's like to be a vampire. Yeah. And, and the tagline for that book was becoming a vampire is easy. Living with the condition is the hard part. And my, my inspiration for that came from I was a huge, huge Anne Rice fan. And I absolutely loved the way she humanized the monster. Mm. She gave them life. She gave them purpose. She gave them feelings. And, and it was different than what we'd been exposed to before, where they were just kind of, they were just bloodthirsty monsters. That's their one thing that they go for in, in life. They have no drive for anything else. And I really appreciated the fact that she humanized them. She gave them life. And when I look at writing my monsters because I absolutely love writing about vampires and werewolves and all the creatures that you would assume are are just kind of beasts or monsters. I love giving them that humanity and oftentimes I turn humans into the monsters and I show you the flip side of it. Oh my goodness and yeah I mean you've got quite the wide variety here I mean with a lot of some fantasy the superheroes and the uh some paranormal almost uh, with running with the devil, supernatural kind of stuff. Do you have a particular favorite that you like, or you just, you just not like being put in a corner, just kind of go wherever you feel like at the time. Yeah, I'm definitely a pantser. I go with the flow. And uh, I always say the the current book series, that's my favorite is the one I'm writing. <laughs> I mean, I love, I love all the ones I've worked on before. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. I tend to just really, really dive into whatever I'm writing currently and it gets so much of my attention that it's it's just naturally my favorite at that time. And uh, the current one, like I said before, is the Agents of Asset series. I'm working on book five. And with that series, my intention was to introduce 
as many magical creatures as I could, you know, peppering them in each book. I'm not going to dump everybody on you in the first book, but throughout the story, I want to introduce all the different types of magical creatures that I can into this world and find legitimate reasons for them to not be known by humans. And and what's your uh, protagonist in that, Sage? Yep, Sage. Okay, yeah. And that sounds amazing. The tagline on that, magic is no longer a game. It's real, it's deadly, it's inescapable, and it's coming for Sage. And I'm not going to try that last name because I have already done that once today and <laughs> failed. So- <laughs> Sage Sinrig. Sinrig, okay, there we go. See, and that was, I, sh- I could have done that. All right. Sinrig. But that sounds amazing. And uh, gosh, I'm so excited we're going to get to hear from that book today uh, from Agents of Assets, uh, book one, A Weapon of Magical Destruction. Now, how does something like that come about? Where did you get an idea for this? Well, like I said before, I I tend to kind of flip the narrative when I write. So if I look at a a writing creatures like vampires, um, back in my Chronicles of the Uprising series, I thought, okay, what haven't we seen in vampires? We always see vampires as top of the food chain, right? Mm -hmm. What if they're not? What if they're the underdog? They're outnumbered by humans. So what if humanity realized that and turned the tables on them and turned them into the slaves? And so that was how that that book got its start. The same applied to um, my Agents of Asset series is there's a lot of supernatural agencies out there what haven't we seen with them? And what if instead of being these overpowered um, magical law enforcers, what if their power was in magic neutrality? Hmm. So instead of having active powers that they use, the fact that magic doesn't hurt them is what their superpower is. All right. I, I mean, I'm sold. I, I'm going to have to check it out. It's <laughs> I've got... I hope you do. I've got this uh, immensely growing, ever growing uh, to be read file that uh, seems like every week I'm adding a few more books with every author I talk to, but uh, it's a good, uh, a good problem to have, I guess. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I'm in the same boat too. And I, I have so many books that I don't know if I will ever get to them all, even though I'm desperate to be able to. <laughs> so now you've also got some uh, shifter romance in there uh what was the genesis behind that or the idea behind that or was it part of the trend or was it something you had an idea for um it was actually a side character from the immortalis series that i really wanted to give her her own story and instead of it being a series about her it actually became a series about that wolf pack Mm. and i was kind of in a romance phase at that point (laughs) and uh, it turned out to be you know finding mates for important um wolves within the pack so it's like i said it's like the mcu where it's kind of tied into the original but it's its own line of stories so the um the best friend of my protagonist in carpe noctum is the first um lead character in book one of the old town pack and then the brother of her soon-to-be mate is the lead character in the next book in the old town pack. And so I just kind of, I was going through the packs and finding ways to give them their little love story. And (laughs) it was fun to write. I I may go back to writing some more romances, but I have to be in the right mindset for that one. Oh, I could imagine. So, yeah, I don't know that that would be something I could approach. I think, like you said, you'd have to be in the right 
frame of mind to write something like that unless you're just naturally inclined to go there. I think I'm a little more in the idea of, all right, and then it, you know, the werewolf killed this person. Are you more werewolf or vampire? Ah, I can't pick a favorite. I used to be a hundred percent vampire. I, yeah. I, they were my top favorite monster of all time. And the more I explore the agents of asset series and get to bring in fake creatures and just a lot of the mythology comes back. I find so many creatures that I really, really like. I don't think I could pick a favorite anymore. <laughs> That's all right. That's fair to say. <laughs> well, now in the middle of all this too here, you've got uh, pretty recently write and edit the damn book solutions yes. for the stressed out author. Fantastic. That yeah. one is the long awaited sequel to go publish yourself, <laughs> um, which back in 2012, I originally put that one out because the editor I was working with at the time kept asking me questions. And again, I learned a lot through trial and error. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I had a lot of answers and so while she was editing my work and asking me questions about getting it produced, because she was going to be producing her own stuff, um, she came to me and she said, I will edit this book if you write it, like mm. free of charge. I will edit this book if you write it. And I went, okay. So I wrote, go publish yourself. And I've, I've added to it over the years and it's actually due for a new update. But as I was going through the motions of updating that book, I realized I also give a lot of advice, especially to clients I work with on the writing process and how to fix their manuscript. And uh, I went back through all of my old blog posts. I have you know, 10 years worth of blog posting that I've done with advice, plus everything that I tell my clients. And I went, I've got material here to really put together a good manual that will not only inspire, there's a lot of author advice, advice in there, but provide some real helpful tools for authors to use to get over writer's block, to craft their story, to create more depth in their characters, and a lot of word swaps that I personally use when I self-edit my books <laughs> uh, before they go to editing, guys, before they go to editing. I always get an editor, even if I self-edit before, never skip the editor. Um, and I say that multiple times in the book too, never skip the editor, even if you self-edit, that's just to get it clean for the editor. But I, I use a lot of word swaps and I, I do a lot of quick tips and tricks on how to find echoes, um, how to get rid of lazy modifiers, things like that, that I think really benefit authors and strengthen their writing. And so I put that one together and it came out recently this December. Fantastic. Yeah, it's that's another one going on my list right now <clears throat> that I'm going to have to check out because, yeah, I, I famously put out my first book uh, right after I'd pulled up the book through um i think i was on uh, word and i did spell check and uh you know correcting it and of course there was like so many hundreds of corrections so i just finally hit fix all oh and uh, <laughs> went with no. that yeah <laughs> and then uh yeah like uh, a couple of days later i hit publish and uh, ordered myself a, a author copy to uh, to check out and i showed it to my wife and she's looking at it and like I think two pages in, she looks at me and goes, oh my gosh, you've published this already? <laughs> no. Uh, so lesson learned. Yes. Yep. She, fortunately, she was on spring break. Uh, so she took a uh, took her time, her break to go through and redline the, the crap out of that book. And uh, thankfully, as an indie author, we can change those things. And uh, 
there's probably a few people out there with that ugly old book, but sorry. <laughs> yeah, that is the blessing of being able to produce your own work is you can make the changes on the fly should you need to. And, and to be honest, there is no perfect book out there. You will always find something else to fix down the road. And, and I've kind of adopted the mentality of when readers come to me and go, oh, I found this in your book. I'm like, great. I will put that on the list and, and I'll compile and do an update from mm -hmm. anything that readers will come up and, and let me know that was, you know, was missed because editors are human beings and they will miss things. Yeah. And, you know, even if you, you know, try and, and use, what is it, Grammarly or pro writing aid to help go over it after the fact, you're still going to miss things. Still going to miss things. And I've learned that whether you, you, even if you try a couple of different ones, they're going to tell you conflicting corrections. Like, yep. Oh, you need a comma here. Oh, nope. You don't need that comma there. Oh, yes. You need a comma on this one. Oh my gosh. Where do I need a comma? So I, it's, yeah, I've become a, a common Nazi almost at times of like, do I need it? Do I know? Oh, get rid of it. Uh, it's uh, a lot of fun being in, you know, trying to edit your work and get ready. That's Yay, true. being an author. <laughs> and there's a, a purpose behind the self-editing portion that I put in that book. Mm -hmm. And that is because I also do editing. And if a manuscript comes to me and it has so many flaws that the, the author could have easily fixed, mm -hmm. I'm exhausted. My, my eyes are crossing as I'm going through this, trying to, to find as many problems as I can. And I will miss more on a manuscript that is just really, really, really um, problematic versus if you sent me a clean manuscript and I can really find those problem areas. So by self-editing before you send it off to your editor, you've actually got a better chance of catching more mistakes than not. And if you just dump, you know, I just finished typing it. Here you go to your editor. Because <laughs> again, human eyes, we get tired. We miss things when we get tired. And the more things that are problematic on the page, the less we're able to see them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like white noise. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's so many tricks in that. I mean, we could, oh my gosh, we could just go on for a while about the different editing techniques to help. But I mean, we need to talk about you here. So we'll, we'll save that I'm for another time. happy to talk about anything. <laughs> I, I always love talking about this stuff. Well, uh, another one of the uh, books on here, one of your series, uh, is this, I think this is a series. Yeah. No, it's not a series. Uh, Molten Heart, the Fire Drake love story. This looks amazing. Oh, that one was a fun one. That was another kind of like palate cleanser. Mm -hmm. um, it started as a collaborative effort. Um a bunch of authors kind of group up every year and go to Phoenix Comic-Con and we pool resources in, in order for us to afford the table fees because they get expensive. Yeah. And uh, we call ourselves the League of Fantasy Authors. And we decided one year we wanted to put out a joint book. And the idea was to write a twist on a fairy tale using dragons. And so I chose The Little Mermaid as mine using dragons. And so it's a, uh, it was a fun twist because you've got the dragon who's not supposed to visit the human world and falls in love versus, you know, the, the mermaid who finds her prince charming. And it was, it was a really fun story to kind of write definitely different than other stuff that I've written before, but something I may return back to. I would say so. That sounds incredible. I know, uh, I know a few people who would uh, be interested in that. I'm going to have to share that with them and let them know that, uh, you know, this exists, go check it out. Yeah, <clears throat> definitely. 
the more readers, the better. I want people to to enjoy the stories. I mean, don't <laughs> I, we all? Exactly. Oh my gosh, yes. And I mean, and you're one of those authors that's is a lot of fun to talk to and to go through and be like, oh my gosh, which book do we talk about next? Which book do we promote? It's like, no, everybody, click the link in the show notes and go check out Katie's Amazon page and just get them all. Just get them all. There we go. go what was the the chip? You can't just eat one. I forget which one. <laughs> <laughs> Bet you can't eat one, just one. That's right. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, although man. that said, I, I do have certain series that are more geared towards certain people, mm-hmm. and especially when I go to Comic Con, I love going to Comic Con. I've noticed that men are more drawn towards my Chronicles of the Uprising series, and you know who can resist a badass with a sword? I don't blame them. <laughs> But that one is probably my darkest and grittiest series of them all. Okay. Yeah, I, I see that here, like uh, Revolution and uh, Dissension. There's some, uh, wow. Yeah, there's some fantastic looking books here. Incredible. I can see what they, uh, what they like about it. Well, now, uh, I, I, of course, I couldn't let you go here without also asking about uh, Spilling Ink, the podcast you've been doing for a while now. How did this begin? And uh, what, tell us a little bit about that. Oddly enough, it started at Comic-Con. <laughs> it was the first Comic-Con I think I'd ever gone to. And I live in Vegas, so it was the first one I'd ever been to here. And I'd gotten my table and I brought my daughter, my oldest daughter at the time, to be my kind of my wingman for my table. And we, um, you know, we went through the motions of selling books the whole weekend and somebody had stopped by with their wife and they chatted with me for a little bit. And I didn't think anything of it until after I had started wandering and saw that they had a table too. And they were authors or the husband was an author. I'm like, I didn't know you were an author. Let's talk shop. Mm -hmm. And we we got along famously and uh, we both kind of that introversion thing where it's, it's hard to get out and do the public speaking. And we enjoyed talking about the process and how we both got to getting our books out because we approached it two different ways. So we thought, okay, let's start a podcast. And uh, it took a little bit to get it going. And he is kind of our silent partner. Now I have Jay and Jane as my main co-host right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, it started, like I said, as a way for us to get comfortable speaking openly, speaking to the public, but also to really figure out how everybody's approaching this publishing process. And since then, we've continued same same style platform. We bring on authors, um, usually new ones, but a lot of, of return guests have wanted to come back and visit us, which we are absolutely happy for. And we just talk about how they do what they do. And again, it's a learning thing too for all of us, because like I said, 10 years in, or 11 years in now, I'm still learning every day. And I may learn something from a brand new author because they tried something different. And now I've got a new way to try on my next book. Yeah. And that's the great thing about doing this. I mean, listening to the shows, you can still learn a lot, but yeah, being on this side of it and getting to talk to the authors before and after a little bit more, get a little more in depth, yeah, it's amazing the stuff that, you know, just talking shop and learning new things like, really, that worked well. Okay, all right, got to try that out. And it's uh, so much fun, so much fun. It, it is. And and right from the beginning, we had agreed 
that we weren't going to have a standard interview style format. We weren't going to have, you know, stock questions that we ask because <laughs> we've found a lot of times, especially when we ourselves have a little bit of social anxiety, a little bit of problems speaking in the public. When you ask somebody a question, when you put them on the spot, no matter if they know the answer, there's like a disconnect or a short circuit in their brain and they might not be able to, to, to spit the answer out or, or even remember what they were going to say. But if you get a conversation going, it flows and the information mm -hmm. comes out naturally and you really get to see the, the personality behind the, you know, the person. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, that's uh, I learned that right away that uh, better to just have a conversation with the show than to have scripted questions and okay tell me about an early writing that you did that you enjoy <laughs> what was yes, your exactly like that <laughs> <laughs> exactly yes i feel like i'm back in high school again tell me about something you wish you would have written so <laughs> yeah it's it's just fun being able to have that conversation and uh, after a little while it got much more comfortable and in my skin on this side of it and doing it it's it's funny because you go on the other side and people are asking you questions and it's like oh gosh i wish they'd asked me this because gosh you, you gotta just leave it on the table and, and uh put it out there so that way people can learn about you mm -hmm. what well, now how long has spilling ink been on now uh we are i think in our fifth year and and we've pretty much almost every single Saturday night we are on. So it's a lot of shows. I kind of lost count after a while. <laughs> <laughs> but it's something I look forward to. You know, Saturday night, I get to hang out with authors, mm -hmm. my people. I I love that. And there's been a lot of shows where I've gone on to continue, you know, being friends with these people that have come on the show because they're just such amazing people. And, and I want to continue supporting their work. I want to share about them. Um, we've got some guests that are our favorites to bring back on. And when we do bring them on, they are always hilarious. One of them sings <laughs> for us every episode. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. I have to get that set up. We were going to have a sing-off. <laughs> there we go. Uh, hopefully not any uh, episodes upcoming that I'm, that I'm aware of. <clears throat> not on the schedule yet, no. No, okay. <laughs> All right. But it will happen this year. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing! Yeah, and I, it's you know, I, it's such a great show. And as an author, I I just love the the uh, the rhetoric and the the joy that you all have talking to each other and talking to your guests and learning from each other. And it's it's a great show. I really enjoy it. Thank you, thank you. I'm I'm so happy to hear that because I enjoy it. I I'm hoping our audience enjoys it. <laughs> Well, now, uh, so I mean, obviously, we can find you on Spilling Ink. Uh, where else can people find and follow you? I try and make it easy. So my name, Katie Salitis. All you have to do is type that into a search search engine. And the first link should be my, my website link, which is katiesalitis.com. And from there, everything is accessible right on the front page, whether it be email, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spilling Ink. Uh, my rising sign book services, everything is right there on the front page to make it super easy for people to find me. It's all right there, everybody. I'm looking at it right now, but I'm going to save you one more step by having a link in the show notes. So whenever you get done listening to this, you can click that link. I guess you can click on it while you're listening, but just don't click away. 
don't stop listening. So if you want to hear this, because we're going to get to hear from Katie here in just a moment and uh, a weapon of magical destruction. I'm so excited. Katie, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has really been a delight for me. And uh, one, uh, one of the episodes I've been looking forward to as soon as you said yes, I was like, oh, this is fantastic. I love it. Yay. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you thought to reach out to me. <laughs> I, it was one of those moments where I'm like, wait a minute, what am I doing? I need to reach out to, to Katie or who knows any of the other authors on there. We'll see her. But I think Katie would be the one that will most likely say yes right away. So, and yep, you, you were the champ I thought you were. Instantly. Yes. Yes. Sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again. You've been so much fun and everybody again. Yes. Go click those notes or click those links. You've got to go check out all of her work because she has something for everyone in there. And uh, like the chips, you're not going to be able to eat just one. I think it was yes. chocolate chips, wasn't it? Maybe it was I don't know chips. what it was. I, I almost want to say it was like not Pringles. I, was it Pringles? Uh, Maybe. Oh, it's going to bother me. I'm going to end up looking. I know. Later. I'm right there with you. I'm like, oh, my gosh. My childhood keeps coming back now. I'm like, man, when what was that? All right. All right, everybody. Sorry. We'll get back to the show again. Uh, <laughs> time for me to grab my coffee and a cigar, sit back and listen to our guest, Katie Salitis, with a weapon of magical destruction. All right. Let's do this. So this is a weapon of magical destruction. It is book one in the Agents of Asset series. And we're actually gonna read from chapter eight. The walk to her apartment gave Sage time to breathe and relax. Being hit on was a compliment and a boost to her ego after the downward spiral of her previous week. But that guy had something else about him. Like every sense in her body had gone on red alert. She'd dated a bad boy before, who hadn't? They were exciting and thrilling right up to the point where they broke your heart. But no one she'd ever dated had set off her internal alarms like that guy had. Even now, the vision of those gorgeous blue eyes haunted her. Even with every part of her screaming no, she'd been this close to saying yes. How stupid would that have been? Especially with Matt working tonight. To invite a stranger to her home? No. Idiocy like that? would have landed her on the evening news, another statistic, another Las Vegas murder victim. But at least she'd had the sense to walk away. Achievement unlocked. If this had been game night, she'd have earned herself a badge of honor. When Matt came home, she was definitely telling him about this triumph. How many girls could walk away from a dangerous hottie like that and live to tell the tale? Patting herself on the back, Sage rounded the corner to her apartment complex. She radiated pride, holding her head high. And even better, she hadn't asked his name. No attachments. No connections. She'd toss out his card the minute she got inside. No need to dwell on it any further. Though she did give him her number. Damn it. Well, she didn't have to answer the phone. Not a complete loss. Men were distractions she didn't need at the moment. She had Matt in her life anyway, and his awesome boyfriend, Josh. Between the two of them, there was plenty of testosterone to go around. She unlocked the after-hours security gate to her apartment complex and took the short path to her building. Kids were still swimming in the communal pool, laughing and splashing each other. Some of their neighbors were taking their evening strolls now that the brutal heat of the day had cooled. For the first time in all the long day, she could take a deep cleansing breath. Everything was as it should be. Sage Stenrig, a man, stepped out of the shadows of her tiny front porch 
his face partially hidden from the lamps. He stood at least a head taller than Sage, making her crane her neck to try and get a better look at him. What little she could see was not a face she recognized. But then how the hell did he know her name? Even worse, how did he know that this was her apartment? Her heart kicked into overdrive and she scanned around to see if there might be more men hiding in the shadows. Damn it. She screamed in her head. Because of course this night had to end with more oddities. Who's asking? She scrutinized what little she could see of him. The path lights were on, but he was standing just out of their glow. For a moment, she worried the guy from the bar had followed her. But no, this one was entirely different. With a black fedora cloaking some of his head and a leather duster over a dark shirt and black pants, he was camouflaged within the shadows. The only light resided in his eyes, pale turquoise that had a hint of familiarity, but she couldn't quite put a finger on it. With a growl of frustration, she met his eyes with an annoyed glare, bawling her fists ready to fight like Devin had been training her to do. Are you Sage Sinrig? he asked, with more force this time. No, she lied. And this is private property. If you don't leave the premises, I'm calling security. He reached out faster than she could react and took hold of her left hand, flipping it over to reveal her birthmark. Her instincts kicked in and she twisted her wrist, breaking his flimsy hold and rounded on him, sending her fists flying towards his face. Quick as she was, he was faster and he blocked her strike with ease. We need to talk. He stepped into the light and held his arms up in surrender. She'd been ready to hit him again, but caught sight of his wrist. He had the same birthmark. Her eyes lit with as much shock as many before when they had first looked at her deformity. She believed that only she and her mother had shared this special marking, but now she knew that to be a lie. And suddenly, the turquoise eyes made sense too. Was he family? Some distant relation? Someone she'd never been told of? He not only shared the same eye color as her mother, but also the same deformity, all the way down to the crown of leaves above what appeared to be a tree shape out of broken veins. I'm not here to fight with you. He lowered his hands slowly and lowered his voice, forcing her to pay attention to hear him. I'm here to help. I don't need your help. She relaxed her fighting stance, but the alarms that had gone off at the bar were back on again. What the hell is going on? Her instincts should have been telling her to run. She should be screaming for help or calling the police. Normal people didn't skulk in the shadows, but standing in front of this guy, who clearly looked like he wanted to be dangerous, of course he'd have to lose the fedora if he hoped to achieve that, she felt only curiosity. You might think you don't need help, but you do, he replied. Can we go inside and talk? I can explain. We can talk out here. She crossed her arms and stood still. No, we can't. Too many ears listening. He nodded upwards and Sage turned to look in the direction that he'd indicated and saw someone drawing curtains in a second story apartment. You and I share the same symbol. Aren't you the least bit curious what it means? Sage opened her mouth to say yes, but the word refused to come out. That was exactly what he would want her to say. All right, does the name asset make a difference? That word threatened to bring her to tears. She didn't want to say it out loud, but if he knew asset, then he had to know about her mother. Maybe he was connected to her family in a way she'd never known. <sighs> Fine, she groaned. 
hoping that she wasn't about to make the stupidest of all mistakes by allowing him inside her house. But I swear if you put a hand on me again, he smirked. I have no intentions of putting my hands on you. Good, she responded quickly enough, though not quite certain what he meant by that comment. Either way, she was making a beeline for the kitchen to grab a knife. Really? A knife? The stranger sounded amused rather than frightened by her hasty attempt to arm herself, but that didn't stop Sage from gripping the weapon tightly. She had already felt stupid for letting him into the house, but she shared that same mark. As someone who had been plagued by questions her whole life about a deformity, questions that she never had answers to, curiosity had won over common sense. There's a strange guy in my kitchen who appeared out of the shadows and demanded to be let inside my house. If I had a gun, I'd have grabbed that. And yet you just revealed to this stranger that you're weaponless. Not exactly the brightest bulb, are you? Annoyed by his mocking tone, Sage clutched the knife tighter. If you're just going to insult me, get the hell out. You going to make me? His eyes narrowed on her face in a taunting glare. How? dare he force his way into her home and insult her, acting as if she were some dumb idiot woman. She twisted the knife in her hand, one snarky comment away from sheathing it between his ribs. You want to test me? Okay, all right, truce. He held up his hands in surrender. Can we please relax for a moment and talk? Go ahead. Say what you need to say. She stood firm, one hand on her hip, the other keeping the knife ready. He walked into the kitchen and sat at the table and removed his hat. Underneath the dark fedora was a mess of dirty blonde waves that fell loosely around his head. Under better circumstances, she might have considered him cute. There wasn't a woman alive who didn't secretly harbor a thing for bad boys, and he definitely had the look down. But as she waited in silence for him to finish making himself at home, his level of attractiveness quickly faded. Any time now, she tapped a foot impatiently. You might want to sit down for this. He pointed to the chair opposite him. I'll stand. You talk. Fine, he sighed. Your markings, they've come alive recently. Um, English, please, she said with mounting annoyance. The tree-shaped branding on your wrist. It's changed, yes? You mean the spots? Instinctively, her eyes lowered to her birthmark. I'm having it checked out by a doctor. What of it? A doctor's not going to be able to tell you anything, he scoffed at her. She's already come to that realization, but short of any other options, she still had held out hope. That's why I'm here, Sage. Your mother just died recently, correct? Clearly, compassion was not his strong suit. He might not have known Miranda, but to speak so bluntly about the recently deceased had added insult to injury that she had yet to recover from. She gritted her teeth, biting back the pain that followed from just the mere mention of her mother. Fine, don't answer. I don't need to hear you confirm it. Your wrist bears the mark. That's all I need to know. How much do you know about me? Her knuckles began to turn white from the pressure of her clenched hand around the knife's handle. She felt more threatened in that moment than before. He was either a creeper or worse, and she wished that she hadn't allowed him in her home. As tense as she was, he looked equally uncomfortable, but not because she was holding a weapon in her hand. His unease appeared to have something to do with the conversation than threats to his life. You're a Tara. So was your mother. Not what she had expected him to say. Not at all. Though she really hadn't had an idea of what he might say. 
Calling her names was about as far out in left field as he could have gone. What the hell is a Terra anyway? All right, yeah, you're going to have to start making some serious sense, dude. He lifted a hand and pinched the bridge of his nose, at the same time breathing out a sigh that registered as pure annoyance. You're special, Sage, part of an ancient race of people, old as time itself. <laughs> Who put you up to this? Was it Matt? She laughed nervously and looked around for her roommate to jump out and surprise her. This was exactly the kind of comic book insanity he would come up with to cheer her up. No, wait, wait, keep going. Am I blessed with some kind of supernatural ability? She might have been smiling, but he looked as if she'd insulted him. This isn't a joke. Right, of course it isn't. Snickering under her breath, she scrunched her face in a strained attempt to look serious and at the same time loosen the grip on her knife. You're being totally truthful right now. Sorry. <clears throat> Keep going. Can I fly? She snorted. Okay, good chat. I'm going to go. Have fun being murdered or converted to a darkling. He stood, picked up his hat. He certainly played the part well, even the anger. Matt had probably gone through a lot of trouble to get him to do that. The least she could do was play along. Sage cleared her throat. <clears throat> hold on, hold on. Go ahead. What is it you're trying to tell me? Are you going to take me seriously or are we continuing with Fantasyland bullshit? Um, what is Lord of the Shire for 500, Alex? Sage fought to hide her laughter knowing that he'd leave her and Matt would be disappointed that his prank failed miserably. No, no, go ahead. I'm listening. Matt is so going to pay for this. She wondered if he had hidden cameras set up to catch her reaction. He held up his wrist, showing her the same tree-like markings. They'd gone to great lengths to put in this little act, so she needed to do her part to make a good show of inspecting it. And comparing them to her own, she'd gotten the tree bit pretty close, but the ring around his was much more defined. And the trunk of his tree had a symbol that she didn't quite recognize. Still, though, A for effort. This is the sign of our people, the Terras. We're bound to the earth by the gods who made us, and we pass on our gifts through our lifelines. You were born with the mark, right? Yeah. She looked down at her wrist, and the leaves around her tree were definitely growing more defined by each day. And in the center, what would be the trunk? A figure eight symbol had begun to form though it was merely a shadow right now. The guy continued to talk. And since losing your mother, you've noticed strange things too, yes? She nodded suspiciously, wondering if she'd been wrong in thinking this was a prank. She didn't tell Matt about the strange things she'd seen, only that she was worried about cancer. When your mother's light was extinguished, her strength passed down to the next person in her line. You. Okay. A chill ran down her spine, the dream she'd had. She remembered her mother's presence and the bright light passing to her, but that was a dream. Sage set the knife on the table and took the seat she'd originally rejected. So what exactly does that mean? Our people were created by the gods to maintain balance. Humans are one of many creations that the gods created on earth. Wait, 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 hold on. Gods, like are we talking big G or little g here? Being raised pagan had given her an open mind on the variety of gods that were out there. Most people, however, only believed in one. So hearing somebody else talk of gods in the plural had definitely picked her interest, regardless of whether she believed him. The stranger had continued to speak while Sage had lost herself in wonder. And creation was the responsibility of the big G gods, but they kind of sat back and enjoyed the show when they were done, leaving lots of little Gs to screw everything up. 
So which little G created us? Good question. Greeks called her Athena, Romans Minerva, in Old Norse, Yord. Those are all human names for what they believed were the goddesses of the earth, but our people are quite a bit older. We came before humanity had such words. So what does that mean? Our people worship some god we can't pronounce? Sage tried hard to stifle the giggling. The way he spoke about gods sounded suspiciously like mythology from her Dragon Raiders game. Pray to whoever you like. The gods aren't here to solve any of our problems. He shot back at her with cynicism that hinted at his own disbelief. We're like reality TV. Interesting to watch, but forgotten just as quickly. So you're saying the gods don't care about us. Well, that felt wrong on so many levels. Weren't gods supposed to be like celestial parents disciplining their children as much as they nurtured them? Nah, they only care when it affects them. And that's why our race was created. We were an answer to a much bigger problem. Mother Earth, she was taking abuse from all of creation. The race of Terras, us, we were brought into existence to stop that abuse. We belong to the Earth itself. We're extension of the great tree of life. And it's our duty to maintain order among the others so that none throw off the balance and risk damage to our world. Rehearsed as his words sounded, Sage could not shake the feeling that he was speaking some truth. And that scared her more than she could say. Mundane life sucked at times, but she couldn't complain. It was at least safe. Being part of some secret society that did who knows what didn't sound appealing at all. Especially if that was the reason her mother had died. Asset. All those working trips that she'd gone on through the years, how many of those had really been trade shows? And how many of them were her fighting to maintain this balance or whatever it was that guy said they did? Let's say I believe you. Sage riveted her eyes on the mark, the tree of life. If the stranger's words were true, he wore it. Her mother wore it. And now that hers was becoming more defined, what did that mean she was destined to do? Why wouldn't my mother have told me about this? Terras have a unique lineage. There's only so many of us awakened at any time. We're creatures of balance by nature. Your connection awakens when another of our kind loses their inner light. Okay, but what about my father? She had no memory of that man. Her mother had never been one to take pictures either, and the few that Sage had seen of her father were really old. Even now, she couldn't recall his face. Did he have the same turquoise eyes? Did he have the mark? He died when I was little, so then why wasn't I awakened then? Your father might not have been of our kind. Your mother had the marking, and so do you. Any children you have will bear the same. She should have said something, Sage grumbled, feeling partially betrayed. Secrets like these were too big to be kept from loved ones. How could anyone prepare for a destiny that they didn't know about, and then roll with it after it's been dumped in their lap? Assuming this is all true, how could my mother have hidden this from me all these years? It is true, he demanded with growling frustration. Look, we don't age like humans. She could have lived for centuries before her light was extinguished. And you could have lived out a normal human life and continued the line through your children. They might have been awakened when the time came. Why burden you with the knowledge that might never have affected you? Um, because it does? Sage argued before all of what he just said had registered. Wait, hold on. So now you're telling me, since I'm awakened, I'm immortal? He smiled slyly, a definite improvement over the gruff impatience he'd had so far. Oh, catching on, are we? 
So you're 100% serious, aren't you? Crazy as it all seemed, part of her wanted to believe him. Who wouldn't want to be part of a magical destiny? The chosen one, whose fantasy come alive. But the other half still felt that at any moment, someone was going to jump out with a camera and scream, you got scammed. Serious as death, which is what you'll be if you don't listen. Being a Terra isn't just a marking, it's a birthright and a duty to our people. That small glimmer of personality he'd had only moments before faded right back into the abyss. Mr. Doom and Gloom and all things were deathly important had returned as she spoke. Because of that, we have our own enemies. Look, I'm listening. She cut him off before he can get full apocalyptic with his message. This sounds really cool and superhero-y with an added dash of danger. Magical destinies and special powers, it's all great. And I'm totally into that kind of thing. But even I have to admit, it sounds like a well-put-together prank. And I kind of hope my roommate's listening because I'm not letting him get away with this one. Can't say I didn't warn you. The stranger whispered under his breath, I don't have time to force feed you. This isn't a joke. His jaw tightened and he gave himself a second to breathe before continuing. My job is to bring you to headquarters. You want proof or answers? They'll give them to you. I don't care what your job is. I want truth and answers now. His aggressive tone had her hackles up. And how dare he come at her with this and expect her to just take him at face value? Who the hell would? And then get all offended that she wanted proof? Oh, I don't think so. There's a lot of crazy that you just dumped into my lap. And after an already insane day, I don't think so. You want answers? Grab your shit. We're going on a little trip. Uh, no. She snorted at him, having already hit her quota of stupid mistakes for the day, letting him and his crazy talk her into her apartment, definitely ranked among the top. That's not happening. Convincing as you think you are, I am not following some strange man whose name I don't even know to some mythical base for people. My name is Gray. Suit yourself. He slicked back his hair, put on his fedora. I'll let my superiors know that you declined and I'll be on my way. You're not my only job tonight. And without another word, he left. And Sage was alone to ponder the utter lunacy of her day. Truth and fantasy blurred into one another until she couldn't decide what was real. So much of what he'd said made sense. An asset was a company that dealt with secrets. Could that have been why Mark had always been so eager to have her work for them? Oh, there we go. That was my guest, Katie Salitis, reading a sample chapter from A Weapon of Magical Destruction. That sounds intense. I cannot wait to pick it up for myself and start diving in. Uh, so much great books from Katie. Uh, make sure you're clicking the, the link in the show notes for all of her work. Check it all out. You're going to find something in there to enjoy. I guarantee it. Make sure you also click that link for our sponsors and podcast friends alike. And hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next week when I am back with the return guest, William Schlichter. He is back with an incredible book. Just trust me on that one. See you guys next week. Take care. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.